Well, welcome again to the Hills Church at Home. It's a great opportunity right now. Make sure everybody's wide awake. Get your coffee, or as I'm doing, it's already warm enough for iced tea. Grab your Bibles. You can download the message notes uh, from our website, hillschurcharcadia.org, and you can download the kids' uh, activity sheet. You know, each week um, I mention this, and it's just kind of one of those things that helps us get a picture of what we're doing. This is week 17 live streaming. Would have never thought we'd just be live streaming, but we're so glad that you've jumped in and you're joining if you're um, watching by Facebook or YouTube, we're glad you're there. Uh, you can comment during the message. Please, uh, you can ask for prayer requests. If you're on YouTube, if you would just click the subscribe button, that will sure be a benefit uh, for us in the future. Um, in an email connection and dialogue with somebody yesterday, I, I wanted to come back. You know, typically when we were uh, with our public services, the second Sunday of the month, we took time in the service and called it Missions Sunday. We focused on one of the areas that we were partnering with, uh, with missions. Now, I haven't done that in 17 weeks, but I wanted to do it today to the second Sunday of the month, Mission Sunday. But I wanted to read this one verse. This is Matthew 24, 14. Listen to Jesus's heart about the gospel. He says, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. What One of the signs of the end is what? that the gospel is preached. How is the gospel preached? Well, we're actually doing it today by live stream. You know, one of the things I love to do when I get up early, especially on a Sunday, is, is I'll go through and I'll see on whether it's Facebook, YouTube, or other ones, all of the different churches that have had to shift and now are um, preaching and teaching and the gospel is being sent all through, right, the digital means today. That's part of Jesus's heart. You know, um, on Mission Sunday, one of the ministries that we'll highlight is one that we financially partner with every month as a church, Foursquare Missions Press. And the Missions Press is dedicated to printing Christian materials in multiple languages, and those are shipped all over the world to missionaries and churches in other countries and nations absolutely free because of our support. You know, we recently got in the mail a plaque as a thank you to the church for our support. And I thought about, you know, it wasn't the uh, amount of monthly support that it probably that we were giving. It was probably because we have not stopped even throughout these weeks when uh, many people have held back on things. So uh, I'll mention it at the end in our giving because we want to constantly support missions because it fulfills what Jesus says. And he says, take this gospel, preach it around the world, and then the end will come. Well, if you would turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 14, I want to first look at a verse in Luke 4 that kind of will set up the ministry of Jesus for us today in our time. 
Luke chapter 4, verse 16 through 19. Now, Jesus has been baptized, and he was baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. He's gone out into the wilderness for 40 days and nights, being tempted by the devil. He comes back in, the Bible says, in the power of the Spirit. And here's what we read next as he gets ready to go into the synagogue. Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 19. So he, talking about Jesus, came to Nazareth and had, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Pretty powerful as he reads that, the description of the spirit of the Lord upon him to preach the gospel to the poor, not just the poor that, that doesn't have means, those that he would later in the Beatitudes, the poor in spirit, the ones that don't, aren't spiritually attentive to what's going on, to heal those hearts that are broken. You know, um, sin, sickness, disease, the curse that was in the world is all broken, the hearts of, of men and women, he's come to restore that. To re give liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty all that were oppressed. And notice the last one is to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now I want that to, to that verse and that heart of his ministry to flow into Luke chapter 14. You know, there was a, a reporter, and I don't even know if we want to call him a reporter this last week, that made a comment that Jesus was not a perfect man. Now, uh, as Christians, that should shake you because it should remind you of some Bible scriptures. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, he, talking about Jesus, who knew no sin, was made to be sin for us. He knew no sin. He was made to be sin for us. 1 Peter 1.19 says that it was the blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish. He became that lamb without blemish. We read in Hebrews that he can sympathize with our weaknesses because he walked among us, yet he committed no sins. Had Jesus sinned, we would be sunk. Because Jesus did not sin and was crucified and rose again, he has become our salvation, our life. And when we read Luke 4, his ministry is still active. And as we'll see in this uh, illustration today of a healing and then a parable, his ministry is going forth, but he requires a partnership from you and I. So Luke chapter 14, I wanted to read uh, verses one through six, even though we'll start really today at verse 16, because the parable is read in this Pharisee's home, but I want you to get a picture of the situation that takes place before Jesus gets into this one parable. In fact, my title today is No 
excuses. If there's somebody sitting with you and you're watching this, would you look at them and, and point at them and say, hey, no excuses, no excuses. I have a dog right down here. No excuses, no excuses. So in Luke chapter 14, verse one through six, it says this. Now it happened as he went into the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath that they watched him closely. Get a picture of that. They were watching him closely. Can I say this? It's a trap. They're trying to trap and ensnare Jesus. They're gonna get him in this house and they're gonna try to trap him. And it says, and behold, there was a certain man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus answering spoke to the lawyers and Pharisees saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? But they kept silent. And he took him and healed him and let him go. Then they answered, then he answered them saying, which of you having a donkey or an ox that has fallen into a pit will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day? And they could not answer him regarding these things. You know, I wanted to read this first because Jesus in just a minute we're gonna read is going to relate this very, very powerful parable that I wanna look at today. But in walking into this house, it was going to be a classic setup. And it looks like the people, some of the ones that attended this house, we have Pharisees, we, we read about a lawyer, but right in the middle of them is a man with dropsy. You know, that's, not, that's something that we would have to look up. We don't know necessarily what that means. Your Bible translation may say something else. Actually, the, the Greek word is the word full of internal water. It was uh, what we would call today uh, an edema that was probably due to congestive heart failure. This man was swollen up with water, and yet um, would they really prop up a sick person to try to trap Jesus? Absolutely. But Jesus, as we read earlier in Luke 4, He's gonna see this man. He's gonna have compassion. He's not gonna sit down and eat without laying hands and praying for him. He's not gonna have a conversation without this man being healed. And that's what we read in the story is uh, they kept silent, but he took him, healed him, and let him go. You know, it's almost as if the person leaves. He wasn't the one invited to this table to come to eat. He was only used as a prop but notice Jesus never walks by anybody. He's sensitive to the very need that this person has, and this person is set free. And here's what's so sick and sad when we read this, is the group there, they kept silent. So Jesus is gonna go into this parable about a feast. In fact, we were, I was asking a few questions. I, I typically will do this when I use a story or a personal story in my message. And so my, my question last night, just making sure I ha had the right one down, I said, Which, what is the largest party that we've personally thrown for maybe a, a family member? And I, I had had a guess and I, and I thought I was probably right. And so we, we discussed it. It was the 16th birthday party for my daughter, Madison. 
right? Sweet 16 party. We ended up having this event at a friend's property not far from us, and there were over 100 people that were invited. Now, I had made the dumb mistake that week. I was scheduled to go in to have a very small um, skin cancer removed. I did not know that the amount of skin that they would take off would require 36 stitches in my head. I'm getting ready to go into a party thing where we're going to set up and I'm having to pick up bales of hay. And, you know, as I'm leaving the doctors and I've got 36 stitches and I'm reading what to do and what not to do, they want me to stay home and lay down in bed. No lifting up anything heavy, no bending down. And I'm thinking, oh, great. That was the dumbest thing to do before a party because what we're going to do is we're going to work, work, work to prepare for this party because all of these people are going to come. And sure enough, I'm lifting bales of hay. And you know what's sad is I probably looked like Frankenstein at the Sweet 16 birthday party, but we wanted to pull off this perfect party. But what would have happened, and here's the story we're going to read in a minute. What would have happened if we prepared? You know, as you walked in, uh, there was a popcorn machine. There were people that were uh, preparing food to eat. There was a birthday cake. There was uh, somebody that came because it was kind of an outdoor country theme that was doing line dancing. What if nobody showed up? Wouldn't that be sad? What if nobody, like, you're waiting and you're thinking, did I, did I pick the, are we on the wrong, is it next Saturday? Uh, did, did we send out the wrong address? Well, that didn't happen. People showed up. You know, our culture is this. Nowadays, especially when a couple is getting married, or if there's going to be, um, maybe maybe it's a, a, a a baby shower, but there's always a save the date that's sent out and couples and people send out. And so you, you mark on your calendar, you save the date. You don't know what time or what event or people now send out invitations or a lot of people use evites and those evites will remind you, you haven't RSVP'd, you haven't RSVP'd, you haven't replied back. And it's always so important to RSVP because the people hosting the party, they have to prepare the food something to drink, making sure they have enough tables or seating because the last thing you ever want to do at a party is run out of food. You don't ever want to do that. Well, put a pause on that for a minute and let's pick up this story that Jesus talks about this great feast that I want to look at uh, today. And it says this in Luke 14, verse 16. It says this, and these are going to be Jesus's words. And he said to them, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come for all things are now ready. Now, let me stop there. Basically, in Bible times, what would happen is people would get an invitation like a save the date. But then when the food was being prepared and cooked, and it was coming closer to mealtime, they would send out people to go tell everybody, hey, the food is ready. You want to start getting ready and come. The food is about to be prepared because you don't want to go to a party and now the food is cold. You want the food to be hard. So that, that's part of this parable Jesus is telling. And then in verse 18, but they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me 
excused. And the other said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I am going to test them. I ask that you have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master and the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, master, it is done as you have commanded and there's still room. Then the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house might be full. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste of my supper. So Lord, as we look at these verses and as we dig in again to a parable of Jesus of this supper, where people made excuses, but two times he went out to draw people in. Lord, would you examine our hearts? Many times we are full of excuses for the things that you ask. Would you allow us to have eyes to see, and when you tell us to go, that we'll be obedient to go in Jesus' name, amen. So as we, as we mentioned, there's, there's an invitation that's sent. We're gonna have this big party. You're invited. The servant goes out. Hey, the meal is being prepared. Come on, get everybody ready. We've got food. It's gonna be on the table very soon. But all of a sudden, the initial ones that were invited were making excuses. You know, I don't know how your household works, but at dinner time, usually somebody will announce dinner is ready. And usually it's foot trap, right? Everybody's kind of running and moving and coming down to get something to eat, especially if maybe you've ordered something in. So somebody wants to get, you know, a bigger slice or whatever. Uh, you know, I don't know how it worked out for you if there was a bell that would ring or some, you know, there's a group text. But usually when, when it's announced that food is ready, people move, right? They, they want to hurry and they want to get there. Yet in this situation, in this parable, Jesus begins to describe excuses that were done. In fact, this invitation feast seems to be full of excuses. The first guy, I just bought a field and I need to go and see it. That's exactly what you wouldn't do. You wouldn't purchase a field and not have ever laid eyes on it. You would have gone and looked at the land. You would have looked at the soil. You would have looked at the direction that it was where the sun would come. You would want to know what, what resources. Is it by a stream? Is it by a river? Is it by a pond? You would never coldly buy a piece of land. It's an excuse. The next one said that he bought five yoke. Remember, two oxen per yoke. He bought 10 oxen that were yoked together, and he needed to go and try them out. Well, you would never do that because somebody would probably sell you a sick oxen. They always wanted to make sure that the oxen that were paired together would work well together. You'd never do that. It was another excuse. The last one, and, and you kind of have a, a heart for the guy. The guy says, I just got married. really, And, and you know, we're, we're heading on our, 
our honeymoon. You know, in the Bible days, in fact, in the Bible days, the families would set aside enough funds that the newlyweds would have one year off without having to work. I'm sure there's a lot of those that are getting married that would say, hey, amen, you know, amen to that, like a one-year honeymoon. But the excuse was this. The husband had time to leave for just a couple hours to go to this banquet, this great supper to be a part, and then get back to his wife or bring her along. It was another excuse. Do these excuses maybe sound familiar to you? You, you know, Lord, I, I, I can't come now. I, I've got to go take care of, of some of my, my investments. I, I've got to take care of some things in my business. Lord, my, my job is so busy. I, I just don't, I don't have time to come. I need, I need to go first. I need to go there. Lord, Lord I, I'm, I'm married now. You know, my family comes first before anything. Really, we could almost say this, these excuses to Jesus or this example or these excuses to this person is a great insult, a great insult. You don't RSVP and not show up without sending something. You know, we typically do this. We'll get invited to weddings and baby showers and birthdays. And if we can't go, we typically send them a gift. We'll let them know we can't go and send them a gift because we're so thankful that we were considered to be invited. And yet this group kept thinking of excuses. You know, as we read this story down, you're going to notice something of the master, and he really kind of gets upset at these excuses that he's going to send out these servants, and the servants are going to go out two different times to fill up the party. You know, really what Jesus is speaking about is a couple things, though we don't have time to get into both of them. One is that he did come, Jesus did come, to the lost sheep of Israel. He came first to the Jewish people, but also now his ministry will go to the Gentile people as well, because many of the Jewish people were hard-hearted, weren't listening to him, like we read early on in Luke 14, wanted to trap him, wanted him moved out of the way. But Jesus is speaking of this, this great banquet, and we initially think of, right, heaven and salvation and eternity. It's the, the greatest significance of our life is the question that is asked of us, do we believe and have we confessed Jesus as Lord? Yet this feast is taking place in real time. This isn't a feast that's being talked about at a later event in eternity. No, no, no. This is real time right now. And people are making excuses. The ones that should have known, the ones that should have known the scriptures, they're making excuses how to go. You know, I heard this and I probably heard this growing up. Um, excuses are like armpits. You have two and they stink. I don't know if you ever heard that before. You know, but we, we many times are full of excuses, especially around the things that God would ask us to do. Here's what we need to understand with this parable in this day. The feast is already underway. The party has been prepared. The table has been set. The food is coming out. The hors d'oeuvres are coming out. 
right? There's bottled water or iced tea or whatever forever. There's a, there's a coffee bar that's already set up. The coffee is brewing, but people are choosing not to attend. And not only are they choosing not to attend, they're making excuses. And so what does Jesus do? He doesn't call off the party. He doesn't go out and get Ziploc bags and bundle the food and send it home for the people that served. He sends out his servants two times. Go out and find those that will listen and ask them and invite them in. In fact, the one, as we read in the Bible, the one goes out and he already said, we already did that. And so Jesus says this. In fact, I love that verse that he says in verse 21, then go back out to the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be full. Here's Jesus's heart. Think about this. The savior of the world that emptied himself of all reputation, that lived the life among us sinless. He can sympathize with every weakness we have because he overcame every weakness and he's wanting to draw everybody to his table and the ones that he goes after first make excuses. So he's gonna send them out and bring in, I don't care if they're poor, poor crippled, or in fact, we read some of these, whatever, bring them in that my house may be full. I wanna celebrate, I wanna give them life. The servants are sent out two different times because those that were invited had excuses. You know, there's a, um, uh, an old singer that had passed away, his name was Keith Green, and he has a song, and it's called Song to My Parents, that really he's describing the gospel and song to his parents, but he uses this example in the song, and I wanted to read the lyrics of the song, and he says this, close the door, they're just not coming. We've sent invitations out long ago. We're gonna have a wedding feast big enough to feed them all, but the greatest people in the world, they wouldn't come. So now we'll just have to invite the small. You know, and I think about this, especially um, people that have been Christians for a long time, and really the, the philosophy of ministry over the last years have been this, that if we have a beautiful building and we put up signs and banners and we have the, the right um, social media posts, that people are gonna see those, right? The people that don't believe, they're gonna see those things and they're gonna flock to the church. And that's not how it works, and that's not what happens. There's, there's an impelling go that Jesus speaks to every believer to take this gospel and that we become responsible for our friends and neighbors and the people that we come across with. It could be a person at the dentist office that we have a conversation with for just a few minutes. It could be the person at the store that we have a conversation with for just a few minutes. But what needs to be so ingrained in our spirits is that word go, that as we go, that we have the heart of Jesus, like in this parable twice, go quickly to the streets, the lanes, and the cities, and bring them in. Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in because I've created this feast and I want people to come in. We've gotta be people that reach out 
to the lost. You know, it, in these days, there are so many people that are questioning everything that need the example of the truth. They need hope. What a tragedy it would be for our own neighbors to have never heard the gospel because we never told them. We never mentioned it. So I want to encourage you like I'm going to encourage myself today. Can we start that today? Can we stop making excuses? I, I, you know, I, I'm busy. I'm on my way. I, I, I'm just going in. I got to get this one thing. I don't have time for a conversation. And, you know, I, I'm taking my trash cans out. I, I don't have time for a conversation. Will we stop making excuses? And will we stop trying to justify maybe ourselves for not following hard after the Lord? Can we lay aside pride? Can we lay aside the very things that hold us back from fully responding to the Lord and responding to that go? Can, can we do like uh, Jesus said to that church in Revelation? Can we get back to the first love? Can we get back to that fire of the relationship? Can we have eyes to see? Because here's the thing. When you've accepted Jesus as your Lord, you've been invited to the table. But he's wanting to make sure that not only you're there, but all the other ones are mentioned there. I'm going to give people opportunity out of opportunity out of opportunity to come. It's so important today. So I want to encourage all of us believers, maybe even somebody out there, Maybe you've made so many excuses and you've gone the opposite direction of the Lord. You have a place at the table. He's waiting to meet with you. But we all have this responsibility too as believers. We have that go that should be ingrained in us that we take opportunities because we never know the times and seasons that we're living in. And I think this parable is so important because Right before this parable, and who knows the timing, Jesus has that passionate heart over Jerusalem. He sees what's ahead. He sees what's ahead, but he wants to make sure these people are at his table. And when they don't come, he wants them to go out to the highways and the hedges and to bring the people in so that he can celebrate with them. You know, if you've never asked Jesus to be Lord of your life, Today is the day of opportunity. Don't make an excuse. Don't say, I'll do it next month when my birthday hits. Would you do it today? Respond to that gospel because he's been waiting for you and he's been inviting you. In fact, uh, I would like all of us to pray this prayer uh, together. Would you pray this with me? Dear God, I believe that Jesus lived and died, and he rose again for me. I accept him as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins, and today I begin my relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all make sure that if if you prayed that prayer that you would connect with us, because we want to connect with you. You can do so on the social media platforms right now, 
Or if you'd like it to be more private, please email us today at info at hillschurcharcadia.org. And for all of those tuning in, let's be about the go. Let's be people that are sensitive to what the Spirit is saying in these days. As Jesus mentioned that his ministry was being led and empowered by the Spirit of the Lord to go. We pray those things today. So as we receive our um, tithes and offerings as we do each week, I wanted to read this one verse, Romans chapter 4, verse 20. And it says this, talking about Abraham, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. He didn't waver. When the promise of God had not come through, he didn't waver in his faith. He was waiting. In fact, um, he did not waver at the promise through unbelief, but here's how he strengthened himself. He strengthened himself in faith, giving glory to God. As many of us find our time in between the um, the amen and the there it is, when, when God begins, don't waver in your faith. And even as we give today, that we trust and believe that God is at work. He's our provider. The earth is the Lord's and all of his fullness. We are his stewards. And so as we do each week, as we pray this prayer, would you allow this prayer to become a personal prayer out of your heart to your Father God? Pray this along with me. Ready? As I give in today's offering, I give with the heart of faith. I give that which I already have set aside for the Lord, my tithe and my offerings. I give believing that God will use my gifts for his purposes and that God will enlarge my faith to become a pipeline for his provisions. Use me, Lord, pour through me and let your abundance flow through me in Jesus' name, amen. If you're giving today, uh, whether you're giving to missions or um, giving tithes or offerings, you can go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. You can click on the give button and that drop down will allow you to give of tithe, offering, uh, or missions. If you're giving by mail, you can uh, write to us and the Hills Church Arcadia, P.O. Box 661419, Arcadia, California, and the zip code is 91066. Now, for everything happening or wanting to stay up on events, wanting to stay up when we are reopening for public services, uh, just make sure you stay tuned to hillschurcharcadia.org. We'll always post what's upcoming. And as we do each and every Wednesday night, we have a Wednesday night gathering with communion from 7 o'clock to 7.30. I would encourage you to be a part. If, you've not, if you're not receiving any of the emails and would like to, email us. And I feel like I mentioned it so many times, but email us, hillschurcharcadia.org, or just go to our website and you can click on the content link and uh, it will email us as well. Well, we're so glad you're a part. Uh, if you're watching today live, it's going to be a hot day, so stay cool inside. And as we end each and every week with the promise 
of the name of our church, I pray that this is also an anthem to you. Psalm 121, one and two. I look up to the hills, but where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The Lord bless you. Have a great day and have a great week.